0: With a clothing rental membership from Armour, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days then, when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-use styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to make realistic improvements in their lives and reach their goals, however big or small. We are building a community of men and women who love to push themselves, to overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Welcome to today's show. We should have some new listeners today, thanks to our guest, Dr. Jennifer finlayson Fife. Many of you will be here to hear her, and for those who are not familiar with Jennifer, you are in for a big treat. To our new listeners, if you'd like to know more about me and read more about what I'm about, and by extension what this podcast is about, check out my blog. I've got it in the show notes for you, as well as links to my Instagram and Facebook pages so you can learn more about me. And if you like what you hear today, subscribe. There are 12 episodes prior to this one, and they are full of great insight from fellow recovering perfectionists, and there are more interviews in the works coming every week on Wednesdays. Let's turn to today's guest, who I am thrilled to have on. Many of you will know Dr. Jennifer finlayson fife as the Mormon sex therapist. Yes, she is indeed an incredible therapist who deals primarily with relational and sexual issues. But as Jennifer says, her therapy focuses mostly on just being human and the challenges related to being human. Turns out one of the largest developmental hurdles her clients often face is perfectionism. So Jennifer has a lot to say on this topic. She unveils what is really going on behind perfectionism and also shares what someone can do to combat this flawed thinking and behavior in their own life and how they can develop a better capacity to refine who they are with integrity and grow more fully into the person they'd like to become. On to our interview. Hello, I'm here with Dr. Jennifer finlayson fife Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Thank you so much for being on the show. It really is a big honor. I would love it if you could give us an introduction to who you are and what you are known for.
1: Sure. Uh, so I am an LDS therapist, uh, and I practice here in Chicago. And I work primarily with LDS couples and individuals um, on relationship and sexuality issues, primarily. Although, of course, just being a therapist, I, I work with just being human (laughs) and the challenges related to being human, Mm -hmm. but my, my major focus is, um, sexuality. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I wrote my dissertation on Mormon women and sexuality. And so that's been a primary focus of my thinking and my work.
0: Well, that's great. And, and you have a, a family as well. Is that right?
1: Yes. I'm married, um, and have three children and, um, I grew up in Vermont. I did my education at Brigham Young University and Boston College and and so yeah
0: so some some people might be wondering why a sex therapist is on this podcast, but like you talked about you you talk about being a human with your clients, mm-hmm. and I want you to talk about today how you think the dangers of perfectionism and the effects of perfectionism relate to the dysfunction you often see in your clients' lives and their relationships. So do you see that often?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I see it a lot, um, and yeah, as you're saying, I. I do see perfectionism as a very human behavior um, and to be completely straightforward, I think an immature human behavior, Mm -hmm. Uh, immature in the sense that it really is, excuse me, that it really is developmental. But when someone is orienting to life from a perfectionistic demand on themselves and or on others, that at a bare minimum, it burdens their relationships relationship to themselves, their relationship to others, it's going to make you much less interested in intimacy than you are in getting validation from people.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so because I work primarily on relationships and emotional and sexual intimacy, when someone is perfectionistic, part of the demand that they have on themselves and others is that they are viewed positively at all times. Mm. And as you can imagine, that precludes intimacy. Yeah. <laughs> you only want the good parts to be known, not the undeveloped parts or the darker parts of yourself. And if if that's, uh, if that's in place and you won't challenge it, then you're going to either put up walls to limit how knowable you are or you're going to pressure other people to yield to your view of yourself in the world that you want them to have. And that's going to undermine peace in Mm. one's relationships.
0: So how would you define perfectionism?
1: Well, I think perfectionism is basically, as I said earlier, a demand Mm -hmm. that you are somehow above the human condition. It's kind of a demand that you be seen as flawless, or above reproach, or somehow meeting all of the cultural ideals at all times, and that um, it's sort of an intolerance of the world in which we in fact live, which is a very imperfect one. I don't even know if perfect is even a word that even fits with being human, because it's an impossible juxtaposition. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of saying I reject the human condition. And I'm going to try and live above it and ask others to pretend that's possible with me.
0: You know, I saw on your site, you talk about one of the things you specialize in with women in particular is that superwoman complex. And I really loved how you described that. And I thought that's a, a good way to describe perfectionism do you think those two are related?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember how I explained it on my website. (laughs) So I that's interesting. But yes, I would say they're absolutely related. It is this idea that I want to be seen as perfect. I Mm want to see I want to see myself in superhuman qualities. And I want others to see me that way.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And You know, a little bit of my response to that and working with clients is, you know, get over yourself. (laughs) We're all in this together. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is just what it is to be human is to be flawed. Mm -hmm. It's just inherent. I think the challenge is that we make somehow flaws connected to value. Okay. And so when Mm -hmm. when you're resisting the acknowledgement of your imperfection or your flaws, your inherent flaws inherent to being human, you're basically trying to pressure off this idea that you're less than. And so when you connect the issue of your development or your flaws with your value, you're in trouble.
0: So that's what's happening here. When someone is striving to reach an unreachable ideal, they're really just refusing to acknowledge their flaws and Yeah, I would even say,
1: yeah, I think that's right, but I would say it slightly differently. They're kind of refusing to deal with their human condition, Mm -hmm. which is always underdeveloped. That is to say, the wonderful thing about being human is that you can always develop. Mm -hmm. You can learn, you can refine, you can grow, you can become more capable at things that you're striving towards, you can affect things in the world, you can do, but... um, to acknowledge the capacity for development on some level is to acknowledge there are many things that you are and there's many things that you are not yet
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and to tolerate that fact. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it is part of our own development, what I would consider our emotional and spiritual development, to tolerate that fact. And it's the intolerance of that that limits our development paradoxically.
0: Hmm, because mm-hmm. you're not allowing yourself to see the possibilities in, within yourself. Is that, is that why? Yeah, you're, yes.
1: Well, yes, that's right. But you're not willing to see your limitations and mm-hmm. really acknowledge them except for through disgust, hmm. pressuring them away, hiding them. You know, it's, it's not a kind of developmental view. It's a, it's, it's a view that I have to be seen in a particular way or see myself in a particular way or I'm going to be depressed and self-hating.
0: Why do you think it is so appearance-based then? You know, the fear of how people are viewing someone who's a perfectionist, they worry about how others are viewing them constantly, it seems like. But it's also appearance in terms of physical appearance too. Why does it translate to that?
1: Well, at least in our culture it does. I I think we are a very image-driven culture. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Facebook and Twitter accounts and Instagram. People are very invested in the image of themselves that they're putting forward. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, stars, you know, meaning Hollywood stars and so on. It's very appearance focused. So we are in a very highly media driven culture. And, um, you know, for example, if you look at the journals of an adolescent today versus the adolescence of the 1890s, an adolescent in the 1890s was really focused on what kind of character she had. Now, wow. she may have been trying to give the picture of high character to the people around her because I'll talk about that in a minute. She mm-hmm. may have been more focused on whether or not people saw her as having high character. Mm-hmm. But the adolescents of today are very focused on how thin they are, what they look like, mm-hmm. whether or not people think they're sexy. That, yeah. that that's, it speaks to the, the cultural crazy that we live in mm-hmm. these days. Okay, But the other piece in it is that we are when I talk about perfectionism as being an immaturity, partly what I mean is that when we are young, we are, our sense of self is highly um, created through what other people think about us. That I is see. to say we are referencing the people around us to manage our sense of self, and there's nothing going wrong about that. That's, that's developmentally the only option we have. So our physical autonomy outpaces our psychological autonomy. And Mm -hmm. so when we are looking to others to tell us we're sufficient, um, that is necessary. But ideally we grow out of that high dependency into more ability to self regulate and to self evaluate and to think about what our own ideals are and what we think about ourselves and our behavior when we're, immature when we remain immature and often when we grow up in a family system that's not um, encouraging of our own psychological autonomy Mm -hmm. meaning you have a parent who's pressuring you to be what they want or withholding of approval and so on then that dependency can stay alive well into adulthood and for many they never grow out of that dependency it's a tough way to live because you're trying to manage the picture that other people have of you at all times. Mm-hmm. That's an, that is what perfectionism is expressing in part.
0: What else do you think drives that? Um, drives people holding on to that dependency on what others think of them? Well, I think
1: that people... We're narcissistic at birth, you know, and uh, some of us grow out of it And some of us don't and I think that's again what spiritual development is is to grow out of our self-absorption So I think we love Human beings like to create hierarchies. Mm. It's part of this uh, Other reference we're trying to get an assessment of whether or not we're above someone or below them That's part of our Mm. immaturity so, perfectionism, in the name of having high values and the name of being a good person for many of us, we're really trying to psychologically feel superior to others.
2: Okay. Hmm.
1: We're trying to feel like, you know, I'm above reproach, that other people will see me as I can tolerate flaws in someone else, I can't tolerate it in me. Mm hmm. You know, I can be okay with somebody else having imperfection. I can't tolerate it in me. I must be seen at all times as above reproach or criticism. It's a desire to manage our sense of self by being on top in a sense.
0: So what I think you are talking about is the flawed thinking that is going on in a perfectionist mind. And I want you to speak more on that. You just talked about uh, the flaws of, you know, really owning that what's happening is that you're trying to feel and be seen as superior. And I think a lot of people would be startled to learn that about themselves, Mm -hmm. but it's there, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, perfectionists don't want to want to see like that flaw in themselves, Mm -hmm. (laughs) ironically. Mm -hmm. So can you, can you tell us some more about what flawed thinking is going behind um, someone who is striving for perfectionism?
1: Sure. I mean, I think Let me just sort of think about your question a little bit. I mean, I think that there's kind of two frames that people can relate to the the human condition of being flawed um, and what I would say inherently worthwhile. I think of human beings as inherently worthy. That's part of our The U.S. Constitution Mm -hmm. is that assumption that because you are you have basic rights you have basic value Um, And that's a part of Christian thinking because you exist you have inherent value right and so but as human beings we have a hard time really um, accepting that fact and so one of the I talk a lot in some of I do online courses and I talk a lot about this issue of of self-value and how our relationship to our own value impacts intimacy right so one of the ways one of the self there's two different ways in which I talk about people dealing with the question of their value that in ways that are immature and destructive either to themselves or others one is the way that we all think about and what many listening to this podcast are the most comfortable with with which is this idea that I'm in a one down position I'm insufficient mm-hmm. and I'm trying to earn my value and yeah. so I'm trying to be perfect as in just trying to establish that I'm sufficient and I, and I believe that is in fact what many people are doing I'm just trying to establish through the lack of flaws that I'm adequate not that I'm superior yeah. um and so there is that, you know, anytime I encounter Im- immaturity or uh, imperfection in myself or failure, it's so intolerable be- for me because I get filled with self-loathing. But what I think oftentimes people don't see in themselves from a, in that one down position is how inherently self-preoccupied it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's very much about trying to manage this question of myself and how others feel about me not really about being in a relationship with other people and really doing good it's often in the name of doing goodness we're actually trying to get other people to say we're okay
2: oh i see and
1: so it's very self absorbed very mm-hmm. self preoccupied it's it's what i would call anti spiritual you know, it's kind of like I'm the piece of trash around which the world revolves. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, so that's one version of it. And then I think it's, it's um, the other side of the same coin because these two can operate within one person very easily is um, the self-esteem problem that Donald Trump has, which is I – it's a one up. I have to see myself as superior. Hmm. I have to see myself as on top. I have to see myself as most popular. I have to be above others or else I can't feel okay. Hmm. And so I'm trying to demand the, the one down position is contempt for self. The one up position is contempt for others. I have to be superior to what other people are experiencing and I must they must see me that way and so in the one down position you're often trying to yield to what other people want from you in the one up position you're trying to make people yield to what you want from them I see their validation their approval their acknowledgement Um, and so it's also an impairment of self-development it looks self-confident often but arrogance is a deep immaturity, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's also self-preoccupied. It's also um, all about the self. And so um, it's in it either position, you're not really in a position of caring about the people around you. You're managing your sense of self vis-a-vis the people around you. And so real development is really coming into a place of deeper compassion and acceptance. And by that, I mean deeper compassion for oneself and the human condition and deeper compassion for others in the human condition. That's what I think is a Christian ideal of development is love pushes you forward. Accountability pushes you forward, reaching out. In compassion for yourself and others is an act of spiritual courage. Hmm.
0: I want to I want to talk more about that too, but but first I want to speak on what you mentioned about those two sides of the coins the the one down position or the one up position. So there's also a lot of times perfectionists are seen as overachievers mm-hmm. because you know they're hinging their life on their successes their achievements. And, um, and we as a society tend to praise people for being perfectionists. Yes. Yes. But also, I think on the flip side, you have underachievers, too, can be perfectionists. Yes. That's How right. do you see that happening?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think, first of all, you're absolutely right that we often will call ourselves or someone else a perfectionist as a almost a compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, they're kind of like we're trying to wrap it up as, a kind, as someone who is striving so much to be good
2: mm-hmm.
1: and someone who has high ideals. And I think that it masks the competitiveness and contempt that's in it, um, th- the self-absorption that's in it. Um, because I think you can not be anything close to a perfectionist and truly want to do good. I actually think people that really want to do good in the world and have high um I how to say it. You can very much want to do good in the world and have high ideals and have no contempt for yourself at all. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And no contempt for others either. So I think that yes, many of us will are trying to forge a picture of ourselves as living above the human experience, the superwoman, she runs mm-hmm. marathons, she has five children, her house is always clean. She looks like a supermodel. Mm-hmm. You know, her husband, she's got a big rock on her finger. Her husband yeah. loves her. I mean, this is what many of us are like, I just, I just want that picture to be alive in people's minds mm-hmm. about me. Whether or not it's true, <laughs> I'm obsessed with people having that picture. Well, we almost uh, want
0: that to exist, too. I feel like that's why we praise people for being perfectionists, because we want that to exist somehow, so maybe we can obtain it, too. You yeah. know, it has to exist in order for us to be able to obtain it or strive for it. But continue yes, I what you were saying. No, I, I,
1: think you're, I think that's right. I think we imagine that if we get there, that's when we'll be happy. Uh-huh. That's, and I think, it's hmm. fa- I think it's a fantasy, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, uh, because I don't think that's really what creates happiness and joy within a person. Hmm. I mean, you know, I know somebody who was just miserable and he, he he thought if he made a million dollars, he would then be happy. And then he made a million dollars and he was happy for, you know, a couple months, maybe. But then he was unhappy again and he wanted to make $2 million. And yeah. I, <laughs> I know this is, sounds like a very privileged problem to have. But I, I guess what I'm saying is that, that that so many people that I work with in my office, they have like impeccable resumes mm-hmm. and they're still self-loathing, right? Oh, so it's, it's not like this is what makes you happy. I do think good relationships make you happy, but good relationships are not arrived at through perfectionism.
2: Mm-hmm. And, oh, and wow. I can say
1: more about that in a minute. Just to get to your other question around like people who are underachievers who are perfectionists, that's absolutely true also. Um I remember I used to paint houses to earn money for college. I used to be a con, I had my own little company, and I would paint for people. Wow. And I remember um being in this woman's house and it was a complete disaster. I mean, there was stacks of stuff everywhere. Mm. And so, I sort of imagined she would not be a high demand um, person to paint for because clearly she didn't have high demands of herself. That's what my immature thinking was. (laughs) And as I started painting, I mean, she would she was one of the hardest people I ever painted for because she was such high demand in terms of what she expected. And. I thought for a while that was a contradiction that she had high demands of others, but not of herself. I actually think part of the reason she never got anything done is she had such high demands of herself that she could never live up to that she wouldn't actually mobilize.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the fear of failure or the exposure of failure was so daunting for her that she wouldn't try. And so many people who don't strive, who don't try, who, who are always procrastinating or distracting or are often pushing off a tyrant in their own heads about their, the possibility of exposure to themselves or to others.
0: Wow. You know, I've been on, I've been on both sides of that spectrum. I have been your classic overachiever and then I've been your classic scared to try anything underachiever. Yes. I like that you are pointing out the root is the same. Yes. The flaw thinking behind that is the same. So whether or not someone is an overachiever or an underachiever, What is, what is their what's going on in their mind? What is really happening inside?
1: Well, I would say it's the intolerance of making mistakes. It's the intolerance of exposing their humanity to themselves or to others. Mm. And it's an intolerance that precludes their real development. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I mean, their spiritual, emotional, relational development. You know, I think about like my, daughter who is a musician and this is where the the frame of perfection for me is just it's like it's it's um it's a paradigm that is self-limiting so that is to say you know there are lots of i don't think perfection and being a musician goes together
2: Mm
0: -hmm. it
1: can't it's a it can't really
0: think about it it can't
1: you think about it it can't and first of all a very developed very uh, someone who has mastered the art of their instrument you, you might say it's a perfect performance, but it's not the right word, meaning they have found a way through the mastery of that skill to be able to deeply express themselves in their own unique way,
2: hmm.
1: right, yeah. through the mastery of something. But there's two things to it. First of all, it's not perfect because it's not in the sort of – even the even when like in uh, Christian scriptures when Christ talks about be ye therefore perfect – the meaning of the word perfect at that time was very different than it is now in a post-industrial revolution society. So perfect in ancient times meant to be whole, hmm. to be complete. Okay. So when Christ is saying be whole, he's saying have integrity, hmm. develop, your, develop yourself, you know, yeah. fulfill the measure of your creation. That, that, and I can talk more about that in a minute, that is valuable. That is good. That is important for having peace of mind and self-respect. But perfect perfect in our post-industrial revolution mind is about flawless Hmm. because when Hmm. you had machines making something or creating something, then the goal became having no flaws in what was being mass-produced, right, because it's no longer an artisan it's no longer a creation now it's a mass production and so now you have a different way of thinking about what it is to have something fit your ideal now if we were machines maybe perfect would fit mm-hmm. but we aren't machines thank goodness yeah i mean <laughs> who who wants everybody to like show up exactly the same mm-hmm. right so so when you think about development there's two two pieces of it that i think are important if i think about my daughter who you know practices all the time you can't learn how to play an instrument, for example, without tolerating mistakes mm-hmm. constantly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the only way you're going to develop is to take as a given that if I'm going to learn a piece, I'm going to be making mistakes constantly. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning I'm going to be refining the mistakes. Perhaps I'm making mistakes at a higher level than I was a year ago, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you will be if you keep doing it. But you are, in order to keep refining your capacity you are involved in the process of imperfectly, if that's even the word, involved in the development of something. I see. And so if, you know, there is paradoxically the statistic to say that very successful people have higher tolerance of failure. Wow. That's just true. Mm-hmm. Because they, you do fail all the time when you succeed. You have to tolerate you're going to fail. You're going to learn something from it. Uh, I don't even know if fail is the right word you're not going to live up to what you were expecting or hoping for you're going to come in and do it differently and, ha- and with less success than you wanted successful people take that not as a major you know um, exposure of themselves but instead okay what can we learn from that what do I think I need to understand about that and what do I want to do differently next time And then they do it again, and they're going to do it at a higher level, most likely, and then they're still going to make mistakes within that. And instead of that being an exposure and an impediment, they say, okay, what do we learn from it? It's the people that are willing to take their mistakes, embrace them, tolerate them, and learn something from them that developed. That's what the meaning of repentance is,
2: Hmm.
1: is to shift trajectory, to shift course, the the value in repentance from a religious frame is that you're learning something and correcting course and you're, and you're shaping how you're developing, but it's inherent. Nothing's going wrong. It's inherent to development.
0: So perhaps instead of striving for perfectionism, we should be striving for perseverance. Definitely. Perseverance and personal development. And personal development. I like those. Okay. I like Personal development
1: requires perseverance.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's it's about refining who I am, someone who is capable, able in the world, has developed herself or himself, mm-hmm. has developed skills, has developed wisdom, has learned from her mistakes. That's a refined person. Mm-hmm. Perfect has nothing to do with it. It's not even it's not even in the paradigm that she's taking her own development into a more into an adult seriously into a solid person capable of affecting good things in the world that's the goal
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: I like that goal better, too. You know, we we had um, one of my first interviews was with a woman who went from running her first try to running the Kona Championships for the Ironman in mm-hmm. Hawaii in 2 years. And mm-hmm. and but she really surprised people in how she talked about pursuing her goals because she says I am not a perfectionist at all. Mm-hmm. That every single day she did not meet her goals. <laughs> that you know even <laughs> mm-hmm. her small goals that mm-hmm. she set for every training run or swim or bike that she she failed yeah. almost every single day. But for her it was just about keeping her eyes on the prize or like you're saying the development. Yes. And the per- perseverance of her still just doing it every single day got her to her yes. goals and a lot quicker than she she expected and and actually against a lot of odds. I mean, yes. she had a lot of it. So I, I'm seeing what you're saying now on her because to me that really I, I was just trying to grapple with how she could do it without being so, yes. I don't know, obsessive and, and mean about it in her own mind.
1: Yeah, it's, it's definitely a function of self-compassion it, to yeah. develop. Yeah. It's an expression of investing in yourself without hating yourself for being underdeveloped. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, absolutely, mm-hmm. you, can, you can say, here's my ideals for today. I would like to get these 10 things done. Knowing that sort of naming what it is you desire or what it is you're striving towards helps you to mobilize towards it. It's a way of taking seriously what you value. But... You know, I know some people who won't do that because they can't tolerate that the three things they didn't get done. I see. Right? Mm-hmm. And so they will, like, not even own what it is that they want hmm. because there's so little self-compassion. And also hmm. what I would say is this ex- self-exposure is more important to them than their own development, paradoxically. Oh, wow. And so it's a self-betrayal. Huh.
0: In your practice, what do you see as the effects of people who are holding on to this lack of self-compassion and that lack of willingness to own their weaknesses?
1: So again, what I would say is um, self-compassion or compassion, love, right, is something you develop. It isn't like good people have it and bad people don't. Just just I want to be really explicit about that. Sure. That. That love is something, it's a capacity you can develop. Having the courage to value yourself and to try things that scare you, mm-hmm. to do things that matter to you, but that you know you may, that you will do imperfectly and fail at, is a deep expression of self respect. Hmm. I value my development more than other people seeing me as flawless or seeing myself as flawless. Mm-hmm. I'm going to extend to myself what I wanted parents to extend to me, which was the ability to say, you matter. I value you. And of course you're imperfect. (laughs) It's just Mm -hmm. the way it goes, what it is. And you're, and I want to offer that to myself. So what, so partly I'm saying that is to say, you can, you can practice self-compassion. It's a practice. You can practice that courage. So going back to your question, you know, what I'm often talking to people about who are often unhappy in their relationships, sometimes people come in talking to me about their unhappiness in their marriage
2: mm-hmm.
1: and or in their sexual relationship. And what's really my first order of business is the, is that they're placing at the feet of their relationship anxieties and frustrations that have more to do with their betrayal of themselves that they aren't taking their own development seriously. That maybe in the name of being a good wife, being a good woman, they have sort of sacrificed their own developments, which is not the same thing as saying that they aren't still perfectionistic. They may well be, of course. But they're not really taking seriously their own sense of self in the world. And they have a very hard time loving or accepting the love of a spouse when they're in a kind of contradiction with themselves. And so what I'm often talking to people about is how to be truer, even their sexual self-development is about being truer to themselves, being more at peace with their bodies and their sexuality, being more accepting of the whole of who they are, thinking about what it is that they value and who it is they want to be in the world, whether in their marriage as a parent or as a woman. And so... This is a very uh, it's a kind of courageous compassion towards oneself that fosters your development, not towards perfectionistic ideals, but into being a more whole person to being an adult in the best sense of that word, Hmm. being able to do goodness in the world around you for your benefit and the benefit of others. That is hinges upon taking your natural gifts and developing them.
0: Instead of the reverse, which is about appearance. Is that the reverse of that?
1: Yeah. I don't know if I say the reverse necessarily, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it can, the counterfeit perhaps. Okay.
0: Oh, I love that word. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. That I look like I'm about self-development, but really I'm about making others think I'm Mm good, making others think I'm sufficient, making others think I'm superior, whichever it is.
0: So if we have some listeners who are seeing themselves and what we're talking about on either, you know, all these variants that we're talking about as well within perfectionism, and they hear you saying something about practicing self-compassion and developing that love For yourself what is the what is some of the know-how behind that what does that actually look like for someone who is deciding i need to work on this
2: Mm -hmm.
1: well i think um one of the things that can be really helpful is to to even put out on paper what are the voices in your head okay like to get explicit about what how do i think about this how do i treat myself you know, sometimes I've asked clients to do that and they're they're telling me the thoughts they have and I'm like, Jeesh, that's a tough mm-hmm. place to be, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's a tough place to be, is inside your head. Because many people have internalized the voices that were offered to them as children or the meanings that were offered to them, even if they weren't explicitly said. Mm-hmm. Around who they were, and they've taken over their their parents' job in a destructive way.
2: Hmm.
1: And often people, you know, they're they're drinking the, they're swimming in the water that they were born into, in a sense. And it's hard to really change it if you can't see it. It's hard to do anything. You can't change what you can't see. Yeah. Okay. And so making it more explicit, um, self compassion is creating within your own heart a safe place to be. A kind place to be, hmm. safe is maybe not the right word. Kind place okay. to be, okay, mm-hmm. and um, that requires courage. Okay, hmm. um, so I think that making it explicit and then thinking about is there a kinder way for me to relate to this moment is there a more honest way for me to relate to this moment meaning oftentimes those negative thoughts they're quite distorted I mean they're quite self-absorbed and distorted Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know you arrive 10 minutes late for a meeting and you think oh my gosh everybody somebody might be thinking something like everybody thinks I'm I'm a failure everybody thinks you know you don't even deserve to be here I'm thinking I'm always late I'm always failing what's my problem I mean you know, people will know what their own version is, but, you know, some people can have very hostile self-evaluations around imperfect moments. And is there a way for me, first of all, do I really think people were really, I mean, is that true? Do I think everybody was thinking I'm a worthless, you know, piece of garbage? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? people might've been thinking more like, oh, she's late. Okay. What's the next meeting My item on the agenda? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, d- d- am I always late? I'm not always late. So, you know, there's there's depression resource books out there that help people actually shape their thoughts, meaning to to kind of challenge the that tape they're playing in their head that's pretty cruel mm-hmm. and to at least make it more honest. I was late. I am disappointed that I was late. Others may have thought negative things, but probably most did not. And is there something I need to address or change to live up to my own expectations on this better? Is there something I could have done differently? Or was it just the way life was today and I need to tolerate that fact?
2: Hmm.
1: Is there something I need to learn from this? And or do I need to just accept the imperfection of life? So much of living life well is tolerating what is, which is not easy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Part of perfectionism is I want the idea that I can have control over everything, that I can make the world be what I want and see myself as I want within it rather than the development of tolerating what the world is and controlling what you do have control over and letting go of the rest, which is much easier said than done.
0: You know, you, I think you're saying, um, you know, beyond, you have to make it apparent what is the script in your mind you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then you learn how to talk back to that script, to interrupt it, mm-hmm. to create new thoughts that replace it. and people, More compassionate, more truthful thoughts, yes. More compassionate, more truthful um, people who've listened to this podcast before know that I, I've, I've talked about my history with eating disorders and you're just reminding me of the beginning of my recovery. What was so exhausting was mm. the, the thinking and realizing mm. that script going on in my mind and yes. trying to pay attention to it was very exhausting. Absolutely. And then replacing it was also very, you know, tiring and often defeating. But I think the big key to pushing through that for someone who, you know, they're like I'm trying that and didn't work, you know, or it's just too hard. It's too much. Um, is what you just talked about is controlling what you can and releasing the rest. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's like also what you've mentioned too, about that space for kindness in your heart is recognizing mm-hmm. I'm going to have these thoughts and that's okay. And that's right. Right. So how can, how can someone in, in that place, Do both like challenge, you know, make the script apparent and then challenge the script without also making a whole other perfectionist and, you know, a perfectionist cycle like it can be. Yeah.
1: Well, so I would say first, absolutely, in terms of the difficulty, you're trying to change a habit, often a very entrenched habit of being that's been bad for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you may have come by it honestly. I mean, I would say most of us have that are in that position have come by it honestly, meaning it's what we were offered, or it's what, you know, what we were fed. And so it is an expression of self compassion to strive for something different. So, so just to say, I don't want to do this to myself anymore, is often courageous, and meaningful in an, in its own right and the fact that it's difficult i remember having a client say to me once who you know has, had been in a pattern of relating with his spouse she'd told him to move out he was now living in an apartment and he was coming in for therapy to really help him deal with his pattern of behavior and interactions with her and he was saying like i can't do anything <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like i have to scrutinize everything i do and it is so much work i i, I can barely function at work, because I have so many habits of thinking to shift. And mm-hmm. yet his marriage was on the line, he knew that it mattered, he knew we had to, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he didn't end up moving back in with his wife, they have had a much better relationship since then, okay. because of that maturation. But he was absolutely right that it's like a moment to moment practice, yes, to really shift a habit. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think about it in terms of like, watching watching my children develop, watching them learn instruments and things like that has been really interesting for me in thinking about the process of development. When you learn a bad habit and then you have an instructor say, this is a habit that's going to limit you. You need to undo this. That can be unbelievably frustrating because your mind is so prepared to do it in this way. And now you have to undo it. And then everything sort of falls apart around it because Mm -hmm. that was supporting other behaviors that now have to be relearned. And so to have the tolerance for the anxiety, the discomfort, the effortfulness, you know, that is part of that's it. the willingness to do that is an important expression of investing in yourself okay. and investing in your development. So, hmm. So so I'm saying all those things like, first of all, yes, it's hard. Yeah. Second of all, it's an expression of self-compassion to even try. And then thirdly, what I would say is, you know, I remember going through a, a long period of development for myself where I was really saying, this is who I want to be. This is the kind of person I want to be. This is, how I, this is how I want to feel and be when I'm interacting with other people. And I had what I was reaching for very clear in my mind. And then I would go out and I would fail at it. I would be unable to hold on to that picture. I would feel like nobody, you know, people see me differently than that. I can never be that way. These would be the thoughts that would come into my head. Mm -hmm. This is folly that I even think I could strive for something else. I'm just inherently not worthwhile. And Mm -hmm. I would come home from things like that. And I remember just trying that my only goal was to just calm myself down around my failure, if that's the right word, Mm -hmm. around it not going well. And to hold some self-compassion, and for me, that was a sort of a spiritual striving, like sort of looking for a sense of God's compassion for me and compassion for myself. And saying to myself, tomorrow is another day. I can keep striving. Hmm. And I think someday I will get this. It may take me longer than I want, but I think I can do it if I keep trying. That's an act of courage, To have said, it's over, I'll never make it, I'm a failure, in some ways it would have made me feel indulgently better in a paradoxical way Mm -hmm. to kind of say, I can't do it, life is asking too much of me. But I don't think I would have respected it as much as I respect now looking back and I think even then felt that I'm going to keep striving for what it is I want to be.
0: So I feel like what you're saying is one of the most important steps to developing the side that might be missing in your life is a willingness to try. Yes. And people... that's, what, that's what
1: faith is, right? That's okay. what the most meaningful understanding of faith is, is striving towards what you believe is good, even though you haven't reached it yet.
0: So there's a paradox, and... too, though, of people who don't, who don't have, who hate what their lives are like. You know, they yeah. hate whatever patterns are in they They hate the effects of these patterns of thinking, but they don't have the willingness to continue trying.
1: Right. And I would say the, the hatred. Yeah, it's, it's a lack of faith. And mm-hmm. it's, it, it is in some ways a kind of indulgence. You know, it's like mm. I was working with a an adult woman and her mother last night and the daughter was trying to talk to her mother about what she needed differently from her mother Mm -hmm. that her mother was always sort of coming in and trying to control and judge and you know and tell her adult daughter what to do and she's saying mom I want a relationship with you I just need you to acknowledge like who I am and the good that I'm doing in the world and her mother's response to that was like I'm a terrible mother I'm a terrible, terrible mother. You're right. You're right. I'm a terrible mother. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, see, right, you laugh. So, so, you know, I'm starting to challenge the mother that she's not, in fact, dealing with what her daughter's saying. And she's like, I said to you, I'm a terrible mother. What else do you want me to say, you know? (laughs) And so I said to ask the daughter, I said, do you think your mother is acknowledging what you're saying? And she said, no. So I said, what do you think your mother's doing? And she said, I think... She's making this about her. Yeah, She's taking, she's getting in, in the name of self-confronting. She's making an indulgent, self-pitying, I can't even try because I'm a terrible mother move.
2: Hmm. That
1: is very tempting for us. In the name of I'm trying, but I just can't do it. We're actually sort of indulgently giving up. Huh. And, wow. you know, faith is tough stuff. Having Mm. courage to strive in the face of your imperfections is not trivial or easy. So I'm not being glib about this. Mm -hmm. But that's really where our self-respect lies. Our self-respect comes not through being perfect. Our self-respect comes through knowing we didn't cave into our fears. Mm. Knowing that we didn't cave into our self-doubt and the worst in ourselves. It's not living indulgently. It's striving for what you actually respect and when you do you know I've never ever had somebody say I hate myself because I tried and I it, it, and I failed at something um, they may have if they then stopped they might hate that
2: hmm. but
1: I but people will talk about regret when they failed to try when they gave up hmm. when they indulged because they don't respect it in themselves and you know, arguably justifiably, because it's, it's indulgent. It's not re- It's not really living up to your own expectations. And the best way to be at peace with yourself is to is to honor yourself enough to live up to your own expectations. Hmm. Not the not the perfectionistic being on top expectations. Yeah. Uh, but living up to the being the kind of person that you really respect
0: one of the one of the okay so you talked about how faith is hard and perseverance is hard it's not an easy work to Mm -hmm. still try for strive for progress and what you're looking Mm -hmm. for but Mm -hmm. i think what gives you fuel to continue is recognizing what the alternative looks like and it doesn't look that much better (laughs) you know that's exactly right way less fulfilling and I don't know. That's Maybe right. you can speak on that. Absolutely, yeah. You
1: know, um, one of the people whose work I uh, closely follow is uh, David Schnarch's work, and he talks about the idea that you don't get a choice in the world around whether or not you're going to be anxious. You just get a choice around whether or not that anxiety is productive. Hmm. So, productive anxiety is faith. Productive anxiety is striving towards something that you can't guarantee. And yet, it matters enough to you. You value it enough to strive. You're uncertain. It's uncomfortable because you're growing. um, But it's productive. It's moving you forward. Unproductive anxiety is the anxiety that comes when you won't tolerate that. Hmm. And then you feel this anxiety that's pervasive, which is I'm insufficient. I don't respect myself. I want others to think I'm good, but I don't think I'm good. You know, it's, it's really where do you, do you want to take it up front or you want to live in it? Yeah. And that's really the choice that humani- that being human offers us. You know, it's just the pre-existing rules. So I'm often asking clients to consider, you know, you can go into this low-demand You know, I was working with a client recently who is sort of like at a choice point in her career and she really wants something, but it would stretch her a lot. And she is terrified of failure, Mm -hmm. but it really matters to her. Like she values it. She would like to be able to do this thing. And she has a safer route that is more immediate validation. She knows she could do it well, but it would be boring to her and not very meaningful. Mm -hmm. And so I just said, you know, you have a choice to make. You know, I'm not here to tell you which one you should take, but you have a choice to go the safer, more predictable route and get the comfort of not ever failing, yeah. but not really fulfilling a dream you have. Mm-hmm. Or you have the other route, which is I'm not trivializing this or making sure. it, That's higher risk, mm-hmm. right? There is more room for you to be told you're not doing it well and there's more room for you to be disappointed in yourself but is pressuring you towards what you really value and i think you have to decide what you think you're willing to tolerate and what you really want
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what it what it what it's worth to you right so i think life often confronts us with those kinds of
2: choices
0: well you just answered what was going to be my final question on this topic is how does someone do both? How does someone tolerate their weaknesses and their, their lack of abilities, but also still strive to improve themselves and take those risks that they need to take in order to reach a better development. And mm-hmm. so what, you know, you said yeah. so much throughout this whole thing, but you, you talked about yeah. having an end goal, you know, recognizing what that is. What else were some other yeah, I would
1: just, I would say, you know, per- perfectionism is a self-contempt effort. Development is a self-compassion effort. Okay. It's because I do value myself that I am striving for these things. Mm-hmm. Or because I value and and have a passion for something that I'm You know, you think about things that you have a passion for in your life and the ease at which you want to develop it, not because you're trying to prove anything to somebody, but because you really love this thing, you really value it, you really want to learn it because it speaks to something in you. Uh, That's a kind of development that um, feels so good, is Mm -hmm. to do the things that we value, that matter to us. And oftentimes we don't have people that don't have many passions have often been trying to kind of turn off the questions of what do they desire.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, I, I do an online course for women around desire and I'm talking about sexual desire ultimately, but I'm talking about desire in general around creating a sense of self through owning what it is that you desire. What do you care about? What do you want in the world? That striving for that, is energizing, not yeah. depleting.
2: Mm-hmm. I can it's see not a
1: zero. Yeah, it's not zero sum at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you're fulfilling yourself as well as being more able to make a positive difference in the world at the same time. And so it's, it's driven out of passion mm-hmm. and compassion, not out of fear, perfectionism, self-loathing. That's all constricting. hmm you think about how hard it is to love and be in the presence of a perfectionist. It's high anxiety times, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's at the, the core of it.
0: Well, Jennifer, we could talk to you for a couple more hours. <laughs> I've already written <laughs> pages of notes, so I'm sure the people who are listening want to know how they can learn more from you. And I wanted to give you um, a bit of time for you to share about some of your online courses for people who – want to hear more from you and sure and glean from what you can what you can provide for people
1: sure well yeah i do have um, um online courses that are for um, lds couples and individuals primarily although people that aren't lds it's it's not um i understand that as my audience but it's it's very similar to how i'm talking today in mm-hmm. terms of thinking about maybe uh, Christian ideals and what it is to develop within ourselves and within our relationships. And I have a relationship course, how to improve your relationship, um, and then I have a sexuality course for couples around um, sexual development within couples, and then a course on how to talk to your kids about sexuality. And then a very popular one, which is well, they're all pretty popular, but yeah. the, 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 probably the most popular one is the one that I did for women, which is the art of desire and it's really looking at your own relationship to desire to passion and then to sexual to your sexuality Mm -hmm. and so um you can maybe link to them if you want but they're all you you can buy them online and then you have access to the course as well as office hours with me where you can write in questions or get on an anonymous conference call and ask me questions about specific situations that you're trying to deal with, um, ha- and as they relate to the course material. So, and the other thing is that we're doing a Valentine's day sale on the courses. So they will be 20% okay. off for a couple of weeks and is a nice gift. Oh, um,
0: wonderful!
1: yeah, yeah. Where so. can we,
0: well, I'm going to put that in the show notes about, um, where they can find these courses. Sure. And if you were to say, if someone is listening and they, don't know where to start with those courses what is your what would be your primary sure recommendation Um, well
1: it depends a little bit on where you're coming in I think if you want to address sexuality issues in your relationship I guess what I would say there's two starting points that I think are valuable either the relationship course Mm -hmm. and then doing the couple sexuality course or starting with the desire course and it's very hard to say. I would say yeah. either one of those are good starting points. I would do the couple sexuality course second or third. It's, um, it, the relationship course is a very valuable foundation for the sexuality course. And then depending on how much you struggle in these issues of perfectionism and desire, then I would do the art of desire course. And then I would do the couple sexuality course.
0: Well, Jennifer, you are so wonderful and you are doing so much good in the world. I'm really grateful you would take the time to talk with us. And you took a lot of time, too. So thank you very much for this great interview. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Isn't Jennifer brilliant I have taken one of her online courses and I'm telling you that every office hour she airs is full of gems like you heard before. And those office hours are part of the courses you can listen for a full year into those online courses. They really are life-changing, so I highly encourage you to look into them. I've included a link to those courses in the show notes, as well as a coupon for the Valentine's Day special she is running for those courses. And finally, the website where you can learn more about Jennifer and the services she offers. We are going to skip our Do Something highlight this week just due to time. I wanted as much time with Dr. Fife as possible, but there will be a highlight next week. So please reach out to me if you have something to share or someone to nominate who is taking on those fears big and small like we've talked about. And if you want to know more about what this Do Something series even is, I have included a link to more information in my show notes as well. You can also find those notes at www.aboutprogress.com, and you can find me at About Progress on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing, and for leaving reviews and making this podcast happen. It's such a joy every week. I really am learning so much through doing this. I'll see you next Wednesday with another great interview, and until then, take care of yourself.